Well, first, I just want to say thank you, Father. I just want to say thank you, Father, for the privilege it is to get to do what you've allowed me to do and what you do through me. That is absolutely amazing. I want to thank you that you made me a lady. I want to thank you that you put me in Red Bank, South Carolina. I want to thank you for every small detail that you worked out in my life so that I could be here today and be honored, not just from what you said, and I so thank y'all for that, but just to get to be a part of your kids' lives, to get to be friends. And everywhere I go, I get to meet and establish new friendships. And Father, I thank you. I don't take that lightly. And I thank you so much for it. And now as a mother in the kingdom of God, I just release that over your kids. The same honor that you gave me today, we give back to you, but you share your glory with us. And so, Father, the glory that you give me, I give back to you, but I share it with my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. May every purpose and destiny be fulfilled from the people in this room. And Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ for increase that the next 10 years, not just for this church, but for the people of this area, it's going to be so grandiose that they're not even going to know who they are 10 years from now. Amen. In Jesus' name. And see, guys, you guys didn't know me from a lot of years ago, but you wouldn't recognize me back then to who I am today. I don't even believe it. You know, and it's not just I've worked at it. It's I've only positioned myself to receive love and give it away. Receive love and give it away. You want to know what you're supposed to do? That's it in a nutshell. Receive love and allow the Lord to give it away through your personality, through your individuality, through you. You don't have to be this. You don't have to be that. Just allow it to be given through who God has created you to be. You know, it goes back to Isaiah. What's he looking for? A person. Simple and plain. I'm not saying I'm a plain Jane. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simple. I'm just Trisha. And I no longer want to be anybody else in the world but Trisha. And I just bless you guys with that. I want to jump in the word right away today because I want to give some time. I have a word for the church. And I thank God, you know, when I found out it was your 10-year celebration, I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I just want to know what you want to say to them for the next 10 years. And so he really did give me something. The problem is you guys beat me to it. <laughs> that whole video is everything I wrote down at 5 o'clock this morning. So how on earth am I? <laughs> I was like, they took my blessing. He goes, nope. <laughs> No, they did not. It's just going to be confirmation. So, anyway, so I want to talk to you today about increase. I mean, where are you headed in the next 10 years? Increase. You're going to be more than you are today. More of a person, more whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're going to be loved anymore. I don't think Father God could love us any more than he does right now. But this whole weekend was given to removing hindrances and a mindset that keeps us from stepping into our destiny to the greatest. See, here, here's the deal. I'm the kind of person that, you know, just enough to get by. You know, that's my smile. As long as I have food, clothing, and shelter, I'm a happy camper. But Father wants more than that for you. You know, religion wants to tell you no. And religion wants to tell you keep your pastors poor. You know, I don't know, I'm, I'll, I'll be nice and I won't say an ugly word to ch in church today, but, but heck with that kind of religion. 
I'm serious. That's not prosperity. That's not the heart of a father. I know how much I love my kids. And I want my kids. I mean, if you want me to lose grace, hurt my kid. If you want me to lose grace, take from my children. Because I love my kids. Well, don't you think if I love my kids on that level, how much more he loves you? My son's a state trooper. I'm going to throw this in there real quick. My son's a state trooper. Yesterday, yesterday, he was rammed. Yes, it's some kind of national day of violence or something like that. And so it was kill a police officer day. Well, my son's a state trooper, and he was targeted. And so anyway, his wife sends me a picture of his car. A guy just totally picked him out and slammed into him, trying to kill him and doing the whole side of his car. Well, what did my son do? My son's been trained. The throat punch guy, for those of you who aren't here. He walked over to that guy's, well, I asked him, I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I was standing beside my car. I told the guy, I was told the guy was coming, and I had my gun on him. He hit my car. My car almost rolled over on me. How many of you know that those angels, they weren't just with me, but they were with my baby. And so anyway, he said, uh, he said, so the guy almost, the car almost rolled over on me. He goes, well, what happened? It almost knocked the guy out because the guy T-boned him, and so it, it threw the guy into his windshield. So what do you think my son done, did? He took his stick, busted his windshield, pulled that guy out of the car, and I said, did you beat the crap out of him? He goes, no, people were looking. <laughs> Too many cell phones. Leave our police officers alone. I'm serious. I don't care. You may think that they bully whatever, and maybe some of them do, but 99% of them don't. So he pulled the guy out of the car, and they arrested him. The guy's in jail right now. So before I knew all of this, before I talked to my son, my daughter-in-law sent me the picture of the car. And uh, she said, pray for Micah because he's not, he was on night shift this week, and it's through today. So today is supposed to be some kind of national day of violence against police officers. So at the end, we're going to pray about that. Yeah, we're going to pray against that. But do you think my initial reaction was whenever I heard my son got rammed, and do you think my initial reaction was, oh, Lord Jesus, go to that poor young guy and help him? My initial reaction was, kill him. And, and you know, then he asked Marlene, I had to go back and repent, which I did. <laughs> I'm flushed. And I, and I do pray that that young man gets saved. But you know what? Don't you think that your father... When somebody, when the enemy's messing with his babies, don't you think he has that same kind of reaction? I'm going to get the devil out of their life. I'm going to do this, this, and this, that, or the other, and I'm going to protect them, and I'm going to bless them. See, that's who I am today, is a person that believes that strongly in who my father really is. I'm not going back to religion. You ain't going to take me back to the angry God in the sky. You're not going to take me back to the God that just gives you enough to get by. That says his hand is too short. There's no testimony. And so that's what I want to say to you, this, this church today. I want to talk, give you four points on increase. You know, we, most of us have had, 
you know this. It's the faith message. And we learned the other day through the crazy grandma videos, you know, about how she got people to believe in what wasn't there as though it was. That's the definition of faith. It's pulling on the promises that are lingering out there. I believe with all my heart. The promises are there. I just got to figure out what day, when, how, and which one's for me today and grab that thing and pull it into my world. And I believe that. Call me crazy. I don't care. More, you know, a lot of people have. That's okay with me. Because I know this kind of relationship that I have with my father today. And I'm not going back to the person I used to be before this revelation of the father's love. I'm just not going to do that. Okay. So I want to talk to you today about kingdom principles of increase. How many people want increase this year? Every hand in this room better go up. <laughs> How many people want increase this year? You, do you want to be where you are now next year this time? Or do you want the testimony of the last 10 years? I want the testimony. So in order for this to happen, how do we increase our faith? How do we start believing in what's not there as though it was? So I want to talk to you today about the prayer of Jabez. How many of you remember that little book? We, we just kind of tucked that little prayer away and we forgot about it, didn't we? But I want to talk to you today about the prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Let me say this. Jabez was an average person. What grand thing did he do in the Bible? Nothing that we can think of. But he prayed this one prayer. And it's found in 1 Chronicles 4.10. losing my voice a little bit again today. And you know what the name, I love name meanings. You know, most people live against the destiny of their name. You were named, you're, you were given a name for a reason. And I bet if you go and research out your name, you'll be shocked. My name, Trisha, means thirsty. Patricia means of royal descent and nobility. That's who I am. I'm an heir. I'm an heir. I believe it. I walk in it. I'm, I honestly don't ever want to be prideful, haughty. I never see my relationship with God that he's something you got to do for me. I see it as he wants to bless me. So the name Jabez means pain. Now what mama... I mean, that, that mom, the mother of Jabez, I bet Jabez has got some issues. He needs a sozo. For to be named pain? Who would want your name to be pain? That you cause pain in the earth. And Jabez decided, I think, this is Trisha's interpretation of the Bible, I admit. But Jabez decided, you know what? I'm going to change that. How many of you in here today can change your situational circumstances? Each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. And how do you do it? You find your own prayer of Jabez. You find your own way to take an, the average life and turn it into a supernatural blessing. And that's what Jabez did. It, it was evidently his little prayer, that four points that we're going to talk about real quick, got God's attention. Do you want God's attention? Amen. Humble yourself and seek what he wants for you. All right, so let's look at these real quick. Number one, oh, Lord, bless me. You guys know who, um, you might know who he is, Ian, Pastor Ian. Do you know the story of Connor O'Reilly? Okay. Well, anyway, Connor O'Reilly was an English and Irish man, and he was a penniless person whose wealthy relatives brought him a ticket to America 
years and years and years ago so that he could have a better lifestyle. Now, the day before he left, he decided I had better buy me some bread to eat because back then it took three weeks to come across on whatever ship they come across on. So he needed food. He had his ticket, but now he needs food, but he still has no money. So what do you do? He goes to the, the bakery and he buys all of their stale bread and packs it up in his suitcase and takes him with him on this cruise across country. So every night before um, it was time, you know, meal time, he retreats into his cabin and he had portioned his sizes. Those performance-driven personalities appreciate this. He had he had you know, separated just enough for each meal so he had enough to last, so he had nothing to give away, so he would go to his cabin and he would eat all of his bread so nobody else, none of these other passengers would ask him for bread. So the last day of, his, of the cruise, you know, that's what we would call it, the last day of his journey, and he was on a cruise ship, the last day of his journey, one of the passengers on the ship asked him to go and eat with him at the captain's table. And, you know, poor Connor, he didn't have any money. And he, you know, you know, sometimes that can be an embarrassing thing. And so he told the passenger, he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, I can't. I don't have any money. And the passenger just looked at him in shock. And he goes, didn't you know that the price of your ticket included three meals a day? He'd been eating that stale bread in his cabin. How many of you know that the provision of God for us is already there? You know, had Connor known it, he could have appropriated it. But what happened is he shamed himself. But hopefully, maybe, for the rest of the trip, the rest of the couple meals that were left, hopefully, Connor partook of that. And I bet you money when he if he ever crossed the pond again, that he remembered, my ticket is all-inclusive. And I want to say to you guys today, Jesus is more than just your fire insurance. He is more than that. His ticket is all-inclusive when we seek him. I'm not saying that your whole situational circumstance is going to change at the point of salvation. Jack got saved and was still mean Jack. But when he had this revelation of love, that forever changed how he saw this guy and these people and his family. The whole world was touched. Again, John Arnott told me I need to start saying millions of people have been affected by one man saying yes. Don't tell me it can't work. It can't work for all of us. He was from Daytona Beach and I was from Red Bank. It can work. God knows where you are. And he wants to do grandiose things in your life. But we have to ask. We have to ask. I think um, Jabez had to leave after he prayed this prayer. He had to leave the results up to God. And I think some of us are so, if you've been here this weekend, you would have understood the orphan mindset. Some of us deal with the trust issues, which is a part of the orphan mindset, not feeling that you are valued enough, that sovereign father would listen to you and answer your prayer. But he will. He will do that. Maybe not on the day you want it answered. But like I said, 10 years ago, were y'all who you are today? No way. In 10 years from now, you won't be who you are right now either. So for some of us, it's a trust issue. So 
Connor's choices were banquet or stale bread. What do you want? How many want banquet? Anybody want stale bread? Uh, okay. All right. So asking for God's blessing means to ask. And I want you guys to everybody stand to your feet. We're going to go through these, these four prayers real quick. I want you to stand to your feet because what we're going to do right now is we're going to cry out to God for his unlimited supply over us as a family. You ready for that? We're going to speak in tongues for a minute. Is that okay with some of you guys? If you don't speak in tongues, that's okay too. Just pray. So let's just speak in tongues for a minute. So Father, pray with me. Father, I ask you to bless me. There's nothing wrong with wanting the blessings. I thank you for my all-inclusive ticket. And I bring my life before you. And I expect change. In Jesus' name. You know, there's a good scripture here to think about. You can be seated. There's a good scripture here to think about this. And it's Romans 8, 16 through 17. It says this. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. All right, you believe that? If you're a child of God, then what does that also mean? You're an heir to the throne. That doesn't mean God's ever going to die. It means you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So everything that is provided for Jesus is also provided for me. I believe that with all of my heart. So do you think that Prince Charles got up this morning thinking, I wonder where my breakfast is? Really? You know, I just don't believe him or Prince William or I love the royal family, just so you know. I prayed for Princess Diana 10 years before she died. God put her on my heart, and I believe with all my heart, somehow, some way, that woman got saved. I don't know how, but she's a part of the royal family, and I just, I just personally believe that. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, Romans 15 through 17 goes on to say, this resurrection life, everybody say, my resurrection life. You know what? You've been given a resurrection life. In other words, you are supernatural. You're not normal. We already established that fact. Some of you are a little weird. That's okay. But you have a resurrection life. And in your resurrection life, here's what Romans 8.17 says it is. It is not a timid, grave-tending life. Some of us have been walking around here like we're living in the dead, that we dead. We're in the grave. If you feel that way, and listen, situational circumstances will pull you to that point. I understand that. But there's a way out. There's a way out. And if you need that way out this morning, no, you know, shame off you. If you're in that place today, then come alongside of us and let us pray for you. I've been there, done that. I need help. We'll need help tomorrow. I needed that word. Oh, my gosh, you just don't know. You don't know how much I needed to hear that. I don't care where you are in the Lord. You need encouragement. You need for somebody to come alongside you and help you to push your faith up. And that's what this church and this family is all about. So it goes on to say, this is what this life is. You can receive it. I want everybody lift a hand up and receive this right now. It's an adventurous, expecting, greeting God with the childlike 
What's next, Papa? Last week, I had no idea what I was getting involved in this week. <laughs> I would have been so much more excited how I, had I known. <laughs> so you can put your hands down now. God's spirit touches your spirit and confirms who you are. Stop listening to the devil. Stop listening to the lies of people who want to pull you down. Stop listening to the orphan mindset. I'm not just telling you you should do that. I'm saying there is a way to do that in the midst of your pain. Is there anybody in this room that has never experienced pain? No. And if you put your hand up, you're going to embarrass yourself. We all have pain. But see, I have positioned myself from this day forward that I am going to step into the fact of Romans 8 that I am more than a conqueror. And I'm asking Father, my Papa, every day, what's next? You know what's coming to us? Romans 7, 8, 17 goes on to say, here's what you're going to get. This is exactly how the Word says it. You know what's coming to you? Religion would tell you that you're going to hell in a handbasket. I don't care what you do. But people believe that. You know what's coming to you? An unbelievable inheritance. You know what the word unbelievable means? Unbelievable. In your, in your wildest imagination, you can't conjure up. You can't predict. You can't even consume what this unbelievable inheritance is going to look like. And you don't have to wait till you get to heaven with Jesus. It's for, this, it's for now. It's thy kingdom come on this earth. Let it be done today. Ha. Huh. Anybody want your unbelievable inheritance? I want. So let's sum it all up. Malachi 3.10 says this. Try me. Try me. Now, I'm not going to stand in front of God the way my son stands in front of people. But try him. We've been given the opportunity to try him and see if he will not pour out from heaven a blessing that your heart cannot contain. I love that. I love that. George Mueller, he was a great Englishman. I won't go into everything he was, but he had to move from one coastline to another coastline. And in the movement, all of his servants had moved his furniture, but they had forgotten his favorite chair. And so the boat took off. The boat told him, we will not wait on your favorite chair, your servant, to get your favorite chair. But that's his favorite chair. And so he asked Father God to stop the boat. Will you stop the boat till my favorite chair gets here? And for whatever reason, the boat could not leave the dock until the servant come running over the hill with the, the chair on top of his head going, here I am, here I am. Now, why am I telling you that story? It's a ridiculous, simple request. But God answered it. James 5.11 tells us that he cares right down to the last detail. Number two, enlarge my territory. When Jabez prayed the second part of this prayer, and why did he? Why did he pray that? You know why? Because Jabez had a pioneer spirit. Anybody in here have a pioneer spirit? Adventurous spirit? That's what the word said. This is an adventurous lifestyle. And he prayed that because he wasn't satisfied with what he had. Anybody in here not satisfied with where you are today? Again, then let's press into this. Let's press into this. I want everybody to press into enlarge your territory. Amen. All right. Territory simply means 
It means the translation for territory is from coast to coast, border to border. In life terms, it means this. It's a limit of influence or ownership or responsibility. Now, I'm going to say this in love because I'm a mom and I'm going to be leaving right after this service today. <laughs> and here's the deal. Your community, your responsibility. Now, please don't hear that as hard, but your community, your responsibility. So, when history's written about you, what do you want it to say? Anybody got an idea what you want it to say? Um, it said a lot about Agnes Gahanahu Bohakahu. Anybody know who she is? History said a lot about her. Here's what history said. Anybody in here don't know who Agnes is? You're going to find out who Agnes is. Agnes had a heart for the poor. Agnes opened a ministry to feed the families of Calcutta. Agnes opened a leprosy clinic that today, even though she's dead, reaches over 90,000 lepers a year. She was recently pronounced as saint, and she was on the cover a few years ago, the Woman of the Year by Time magazine. Anybody tell me who she is? Mother Teresa. We didn't know she was Agnes. Who would have known her as Agnes Kahonkahu? <laughs> That was her born name. You think that Father doesn't know you, but he knows you so much. He wants to promote you to sainthood. Really? You were born into sainthood. But in the earth standards, you know it takes two criteria to become a saint. I mean, you have to raise two people from the dead to be a saint. Now, I've, I've I really have raised one person from the dead. My son, he was dead, pronounced dead, and raised him from the dead. Anybody in here want to volunteer so I can get my sainthood? <laughs> Come on, dare you. Come on, you would do it, you would do it. <laughs> All right, so what is your sphere of influence? What's the territory that God, Father God, has called you to? That's where we're heading. So here's what, here's what your influence may not be. You might not go to India. You might not have to preach from the, a street corner. I've done that too as a Salvation Army Sally. You might not have to sign up for more programs at church. You might not, but what if you do? What if you do? Are you ready and are you willing to go? But when we pray this prayer, God will enlarge your territory. Well, how's he going to do that? What's in your hand right now? That's all he asked of you. What is it that's in your hands right now that he's given to you? And if you pray into that, he will enlarge it. How do I know that? Remember the story about the talents? The one, the three, and the guy with the five? What happened with the guy with the five? He's given five more, right? Because he asked the Lord to enlarge his territory. What about the guy with the three talents? What happened there? Was he not given three more? Okay, how about the guy with the one? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what he did? He tried to protect it, and he told the master, he said, I'm just going to bury it right down here in the sand so that when you come back, I know you're going to be angry if I don't have your money or your whatever, and so I just want to make sure it's okay. You know what Matthew goes on to say about that guy? He called, Matthew calls him a criminal because the Word of God says that it is criminal to live a cautious lifestyle. This is why I can go and be who I am today. I'm not going to step out into something I'm not supposed to be. I'm going to go and find out who it is I am to become, and I'm going to ask Father God to enlarge that, to provide that, 
And that's in the message, translate, uh, not translation, paraphrase. Um, that, the by, that the word calls him a criminal. It's criminal for us to live cautiously because the gospel says, go ye into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. What I interpret that to mean, fulfill your destiny. Whatever it is you're supposed to be, fulfill your destiny. Stop trying to be Pastor Ian or Pastor Tina. You weren't called to be them. Go and become what Father God has called you to be. Why? The world's waiting. When I think about the world, when I think about the people that aren't protected and covered the way you guys are, it just does something inside of me. Now, I'm not an evangelist. It's, been, it's my assignment in the kingdom of God to help sons understand who they are so that they can go and reach the lost. And so I don't try to go after the lost. I try to help you guys understand who you are so that you can fulfill your destiny. Anybody in here watch the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Wasn't that an awesome? It's a true story about a conscientious objector named Desmond Doss. Now here's what Desmond did. Desmond refused to carry a gun in the war. He was a medic, and he felt like what his job was in the war was to protect and to heal those that had been injured. And then they were um, hijacked by the Japanese, you know, in the war. And so what happened was is that his whole platoon they thought was wiped out. But they were laying there, you know, pretending to be asleep so they wouldn't be killed. And so when Desmond finally woke up, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what am I going to do? Because the, the enemy's army was walking all around him. And he didn't know what to do. And he woke up and the guy next to him started moaning. And he was fixing to be killed again. And so Desmond covered up his mouth until he could get to him. And he, let, he got that guy and he lowered him down, off of, down to Hacksaw, off of Hacksaw Ridge, down to where the Americans were waiting to take the soldiers home. Desmond did that 75 times to the point where in the movie, his hands, you could see the bone. That's how graphic they got. His hands, the blood, the skin was torn and there was the bone. But he kept doing it and he kept doing it. And you know why he kept doing it? Because he prayed. He prayed this prayer. Give me one more. See, you matter. If there's nobody else in this room, in this world, you matter. You're the one more. And so he was able to save 75 men. And if it hadn't been that, the, that they made him stop, he probably would have continued on. He was the only conscientious objector awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. In other words, he's the only guy that went in with no weapon and was, was honored. So if you don't know what an enlarged territory looks like, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself two questions. What are your overlooked opportunities? Because there's where you can start. And then number two, what is your passion? What is it? You don't have to be passionate about worship. You don't have to be passionate about teaching or whatever. What is your passion? My passion really is loving pastors. I mean, I love that I got to come here. But I love it whenever your pastors get to come to me. And I can spend a week just loving on them, cooking for them, providing for them. And then when they leave, creating a place of rest. That when they leave, they come back to you and they're stronger. 
That's what, that's what my passion is. So stand up. We're going to pray this prayer real quick. And then we got two quick points. And then we're going to be out of here by 12 o'clock. All right. So I want you to hold your hands out for heaven and pray this prayer with me. Father, bless me. With resources above what I need. Enlarge what's in your mind's eye for me. Keep a record of this. So I can test you. So Father. I ask you to organize my day. And I ask you to help me. To not bite into the lie. That you'll give me just enough. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, I mean, number three. Oh, Lord, put your hand upon me. This is the third part of Jabez's prayer. Keeping God's... Now, here's what I want to say, because I realize that this is a faith-believing-based church. A lot of your roots are probably going back to the faith message, and I love the faith message. Where the faith message and I got into trouble is I tried to build and plant before I uprooted, tore down, overthrow, and destroyed all my old mindsets so I could believe the faith message. And so I want you to, um, to understand something. There is nothing wrong. See, we went from the great old faith message back into the, um, you shouldn't ask to be blessed. You should just suffer for Jesus. Well, I, and I appreciate everything Jesus did. But Jesus died so I'd have more. You know, he died so I would have more. I'm not saying you won't ever suffer. You won't ever have pain in your life. But Jesus died so you could have more. And so we've lost track of that again. And so this church, I'm just going to say to you, in order to get where God's fixing to take you in the next 10 years, you're going to have to pray for more. You're going to have to pray for God's hand, a blessing to be upon you. Why? Because God's hand represents power. And I believe in the power of God, and I've not taken advantage of the wonderful power of my God. Here's a saying by John Maxwell. If you keep doing what you've always done, what are you going to get? Exactly. Do you want what you've always gotten? I want some more. I do. That's why who I am today. I have more because I stepped into this. I bit into this. So I want you real quick. Name one thing that you'd like to accomplish next year. Just one. If you can name one thing, you're going to move forward. And then I want to ask you, repent of any lie that you embraced. Repent of any lie that you have embraced that hinders you from stepping into that. All right, stand to your feet real quick. Lift your hands up to heaven. Say, Father, I asked you for your hand. A power and blessing to change my situational circumstance in Jesus name and number four well, the last one you can be seated keep us from evil the last part of Jabez's prayer keep us from evil lead me not into temptation anybody else in this room get tempted once or a thousand times a day you know what shame off you shame off you I get tempted all the time. It's like I said, I, my first reaction when I found out my son was, had been hurt wasn't, oh, Lord Jesus, save that person. It just wasn't. That's my flesh, man. 
But, Father, keep me from evil. Keep me from thinking that way. What if that guy is lost? Whatever. I did go back. I cleaned up my mess. But you will make a mess. But you know what? There's grace and there's mercy for when we make a mess. We no longer will throw you away, especially in this church. So, then here's a couple of things temptation does. Temptation, here's the the worst thing temptation does. It pits you against you. Think about that. Temptation's goal is to make sure that you don't prosper. The next thing temptation does, it weakens you. Temptation interrupts the plan of God for your life. Temptation compromises your ability to believe in the favor of God on your life. Temptation alienates you from feeling at home. So... I want you to think for just a minute before we pray this last prayer. I want you to think about a time when you felt so overwhelmed that you did step into sin. And if you haven't repented, to repent of that before you leave this room today. Okay. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. Because here's the deal, your flesh. Look at your neighbor and go, your flesh. Your flesh. God has created a supernatural lifestyle that we can live in, but he understands we're flesh. And uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men. But God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. I have people ask me all the time, How did you live without Jack? I don't know. To be honest with you, me and God are going to talk about that. But evidently, the temptation is not more that can overcome what God put inside of me because here I am. If it were, I wouldn't be here. I would be in heaven with Jack because I would have blown my brains out. You know, but here I am because I believe this. I believe, it goes on to say, with every temptation, he'll make a way of escape. You know, if you're stuck in a situational circumstances, and some of you are today, What's your way of escape? Jack always had, as a captain of a sea, uh, as a sea captain, he always had an escape hatch. And whenever, you know, in our home, in case of a fire, there was always an escape hatch. We just built this big, beautiful two-story home before Jack died, and we're, our suite is on the second floor. And Jack brought this ladder to go down. You know, you, you bust out a window, you pick the ladder up, that's our escape hatch, and you climb down the ladder. Only one problem, the ladder weighs as much as I do. How on earth am I going to put that in the window? Well, when the, if the time should ever come, I'm sure that I will have strength enough to do that. But the Lord's escape hatch is Second Peter 2, 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. See, it's a matter of taking the word and let it seed inside of you. You know, it's just not a matter of memorizing the word. You know, that's good. That's good to do. But it's when the time comes, can you pull the word out? You know, when the orphan issue start to tempt you, can you pull from the word of God and say, wait a minute, that's an orphan mindset. I know what to do with that. I know how to handle that. Huh. It's a trust issue for so many of us. So, what new thing is God asking you to do today? So I want you to stand to your feet.
And I'm going to do two things here right now. We're going to pray together this last prayer. And then I want to just release the prophetic word I had over you. And then I'm going to turn it back over to Ian. I want to say thank you. Oh, my gosh. You guys are awesome. And don't tell my home church. <laughs> the best church I've ever been in. <laughs> I believe it with all my heart. The best people I've ever been around. I love you guys. Thank you so much. So what new thing is God asking you to do? We we're going to pray into that. And I've got a prophetic word over that. And then, then but I want, I want to ask you right now, though, what is it that hinders you from getting there? And so I want you to just lift your hands up to the Lord and say, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the orphan mindset from all the ungodly beliefs. Help me to recognize what they are. And I pray for my way of escape because I trust you. I trust you. Even when I don't know the answer, I trust you. And I thank you, Father, that the power of your Spirit causes me to trust you. And I thank you for him. In Jesus' name. So, I want you to, everybody, I want you to bring that one thing right now to the Father. Say, Lord, I bring to you, whether it's my, your fear of man, whether it's a trust issue, whether it's an ungodly belief, mine was, I think God will give you just enough to get by. Bring that, whatever that is, to the cross right now. And Father, I just asked you to place the cross between them in any way, Lord God, that hinders them from becoming everything that you've called them to be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, here's the word that I had over you. If you watch the video, and y'all can just say standing because we're going we're gonna to dismiss. Um, the number 10, the perfect number. I did not know that. I knew that 3, 7, and 12 were perfect numbers, but I didn't know that 10 is a perfect number, and it's a number of completion. We measure things by a 10. I'm a 10. <laughs> you get that? 1 to 10. I'm a 10. You're a 10. It means perfect. It signifies testimony. It signifies order. It signifies, here's this, the completeness of order. Now, this is what I'm, I'm sitting at, at before breakfast today, and I'm asking the Lord to show me what to write down. So I'm amazed that the video was almost verbatim. But um, the testimony. In Genesis, God said ten times, um, God said. In other words, he called something into creation ten times. It shows the power of his creative power. And you already heard there's ten commandments. Ten represents responsibility we carry as, as Christians. The tithe is what? A tenth. You know, bottom line, it all belongs to him anyway. He's only asking you for 10% back. This, uh, to give him back 10% of what's already his to begin with. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, I don't know if you know this one or not, but the, the Passover was on the 10th day of the first month. In other words, protection. All right, the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. And here's the blessing I have for you. The day of atonement was to remove Satan. 
the fasting is to remove Satan from our midst. And we can do that. I'm not scared of him anymore. Can he hurt me? I don't, I'm not one of those that go around calling him names. I think it's foolish to call the devil names. But I just know if he and I are in this room, I know who's going to lose. I know who's going to lose. And that's not pride. So to sum it all up, Light City, today is your day of promises fulfilled. The promises of the last 10 years have come to fruition today. Today is the beginning. In other words, today is wrapping everything up. But it's also the beginning of establishing greater responsibility and influence and favor in this community. So... And in this church family, today is today. Everybody says, today, today is the day Amen. that God has given me, given me. The, responsibility the responsibility to totally eradicate, totally eradicate. The, stifling the stifling of Satan's power, Satan's power. in my family, my family, in my church family, in my church family. and my community. Okay, and so I feel like I'm going to close with this now. The promises are in place for the next season of your life as a church family, as a church. And this next season is all about the appropriation because he appreciates you. It's all about a season of appropriating the promises. Appropriating the promises for your next season. The more you praise, the more you practice the promises. Father is positioning you for his presence to manifest outside. I think, there's, I think you do a lot inside, and I think you probably already do a lot for the community. But you're going to see individual assignments. Step into them. Understand, you're already equipped. You already got the ticket. You don't have to carry stale bread. You've got, you've got everything. I believe that people, I really am going to close with this, I believe that people are going to come here because of who you are. Now, of course, I'm, I'm highly relational with Bethel Church. Benny is one of my best friends. Bill, if I email Bill right now, I'd have an email back no matter where he is in the world. It just happens. I don't know why. But I would have an email back from Bill this afternoon. That's just, we, we are family. And, and Benny came to our 25th anniversary celebration. It was supposed to be a surprise, and she kind of, I knew she was coming, but anyway, she kind of snuck in. And we sang, the worship team sang all of Bethel and Jesus Culture songs. You know, I mean, thank God you guys are coming your own stuff. But that stuff is pretty powerful in the world. And so Benny was sitting beside me, and I looked over at her, and I go, how does it feel to watch the whole world sing your kids' songs? And she cried. You have no idea. And I looked at her and I go, I bet that's how Daddy God feels about all of us. And I'm just going to say that again. I bet that that's how Daddy God feels about all of y'all because you guys are singing his songs. You're singing your own songs. And he's a pretty proud papa. So again, thank you guys.